0: There's just so much more to hear.
1: Download our podcast at DubaiEye1038.com. The Bookshelf.
2: What you should be reading.
3: That is the question that we are asking on The Bookshelf. So The Cockroach by Ian McEwan is a parody of Kafka's Metamorphosis, An Agent Running in the Field, the latest spy thriller by John le Carré. Both of those books use Brexit as inspiration, but in different ways. Are they good stories in their own right? Do they give a divisive and confusing political situation a bit of clarity that non-fiction can't? Let's find out with our lovely guests on the show today. So Yvette Judge, still with us from the Emirates Literature Foundation. Hello, Yvette. Hello again. Say hello to listeners. Um, and also poet and voracious reader Mark Fiddies is joining us too. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Annabel. So just a little bit about Mark what before about we go. me? And the wonderful <laughs> Isabel Abel Hall in the co-host chair. <laughs> 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 oh, <pardon me.
0: laughs> nice try, About <Annabelle>. Nice try. <laughs> um, we've had so many lovely messages, so keep them coming in because yeah. we feel very buoyed up by all of the lovely things you're saying about talking of books and how it really fills um, a need in your lives.
3: Yeah, so do keep those coming in for double. Um, I'd like to mention a little bit more about Mark as well because he is the author of a poetry collection which has one of my favourite titles of a book ever um, The Chelsea Flower Show Massacre (laughs) which is a great title. <laughs> and last time you joined us on the show, it was to read out your poem, Polite Safety Notice, um, which placed third in the UK National Poetry Competition last year. And to talk about Brexit comedy, Middle England by Jonathan Coe, which ties into what we're about to talk about on the show today. But you're also fresh from being one of the runners up in the 2019 Montegrappa Writing Prize, I believe. That's
2: true, yes. Yes. I encourage everybody to enter.
3: Good. Can, can I can <laughs> yeah, I can I ask what's
1: happened and and any you know?
2: Yes, um, that well, nine
1: million dollar publishing deal for fifty <laughs> books been signed yet?
2: Not yet, oh. no. But um, the the great Luigi uh, Bonomi is working on it. Oh, great! And uh, one of the benefits of entering the competition is that you get to speak to um, one of the best agents in the land. Who, yep. who gives you lots of good advice on honest, honest, honest advice? Absolutely, yep. And you know, and in such a, a disarming and, and yes. friendly indeed.
1: way, indeed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you walk away going. He's just massacred my book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yes. and in a, such a nice way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely. So good. he's working on
1: it. Excellent. Excellent. I look forward to hearing more news. So just Thank very
3: you. quickly about the Montegrappa Writing Press. You still have time to enter that. It's National Novel Writing Month. So now would be a good time to get working on it if you haven't done so already. All you need to do is submit the first 2,000 words of your manuscript and a 400 word synopsis of your novel via the competition section of the Emirates website. There's more information on there. Um, Basically, you have to be a UAE resident, 21 and over, and you need to get some writing done and get that submitted. You have time to do it. So do so. So we're going to move on to our Brexit books I Can I
0: just say that we've had enormous success um, with um, (laughs) the Monte Grappa winners and runners up. I mean, they're all uh, a lot of them have been nominated or won prizes since. So. I mean, there must be something in Dubai's water, Absolutely, for yeah. sure. Eight, eight published authors so yeah, far? Yeah,
1: and, and two of them, Tamsin Winter, who we were talking about earlier in the show, oh, yeah. and Lucy Strange, have both been nominated for the Carnegie Award, which is the most
0: prestigious
1: and um, children's writing prize in the UK. Yeah, it's
0: it's amazing. It's yeah, incredible. It is incredible. And so, no so <laughs> keep keep, if you've got a good idea, you don't need to have written the whole novel, but you need to have a sort of the synopsis and you need to have your first 2,000 words. Go for it. What have you got to lose? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah.
3: Like, what what do you have to lose? Um, and there are some wonderful people who've had success before you who hadn't, you know, have never written anything before. So so just, just go for it. Just do it. Just, just do, do it. it. Hashtag Nike. Um, so initial response to the first book that I want to talk about, Yvette. I know that you've read The Cockroach by I have. Ian McEwan. Twice. I've read it twice. Now, before we go into the whole Brexit connection to, to these books, cover description what's the basic gist of the story okay well <laughs> the cover
1: the, if i saw this in a bookshop i'm not going to pick this up yeah i'll be honest yeah it's a very plain cover a sort of mustardy color one of my favorite colors with a large cockroach on it
3: yeah i'm actually just going to hold so, it up so that people can see it now excellent. it's an awful I, please, cover yeah
1: it's disgusting um, but it does what it says on the tin it's a book and it's about a cockroach. a cockroach yeah <laughs> um so the the opening actually is quite good. So it's it's France, Kafkaesque, but the other way round. So we we have a cockroach who becomes, or, or, or assumes human form, um, and it's just somewhat unfortunate that that in that human form, he's the prime minister of the UK.
3: Um, it's an interesting <laughs> twist on a classic, it, it, isn't it, is, it? It is. And it, it, uh, after that,
1: there's, in my head, the question is why do we need the cockroaches there it's it's the collective mindset i suppose that the insects are meant to have this thinking as one so there's one one when he eventually meets with the cabinet he realizes there is only one person who is not an insect
3: and it's the bit where you know he
1: he also speaks to um, an american president um and sort of his final question to him which he says is something personal it's Did you ever have six legs? (laughs) The the, the line goes dead as Archie Tupper hangs up on him. It's a satire. Um, So we we don't have Brexit. Brexit is not mentioned, but they have something called reversalism. Okay. If you're not a reversalist, you are supporting the clockwise movement. (laughs) So the idea, and this is why I had to read it twice, okay, because. You know, me children's books brain, <laughs> right? Reversalism. Um, Annabelle, you would go to work every day, okay, at the Literature Foundation. Uh huh. You would love what you do. Hmm. At the end of the month, you would give them money. You would pay them uh, for having employed you, which obviously is pretty much what we do anyway, isn't it?
0: But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've already got reversalism. We were there first. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. That,
1: that's, that, that's uh, the idea. Okay, so you give money yeah. to the Lit Fest. You then—I've got to make notes. I'm sorry, I've got to refer to my notes now. You go to the shops to buy something. Uh-huh. Okay, um, but but you don't pay for the goods. Yeah, they 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 give you the money when you take something. Right, but you can't hold that money. If you save it in the bank that there's there's negative high negative interest on it. So so basically you need to get get a better job so that you can give that money that you're getting from the shops from all the stuff you're buying back to your employer.
0: Okay. It makes perfect. Does that sense. in any way make sense?
3: Perfect sense. Um okay hmm. I'm just gonna say that I'm glad I stopped reading it when I did. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think that's right. So basically
1: you pay your employer, the shops pay you to take so- things um, and then you want a better job because you've got to somehow get rid of this money because you'll be it, it, arrested for holding it.
3: It's supposed to sound ridiculous because that's what yes. he, he's, he's basically Absolutely. parodying something that he thinks is ridiculous because Ian McEwen has Correct. been very vocal about his views. So this novella is to- topical satire. It's quite short, this novella, um, and it's inspired by Brexit, but never mentioned directly. Yeah. So the first thing that I wanted to, to talk to everybody about here is that whether or not you think that something like this, that satire has a tougher job when events themselves are stranger than fiction. And I mean that generally, not just now with, with politics now, you know, throughout history, there are always moments where everyone will have turned into the turned to the news at some point and gone in their own way. This is surely a joke. This is beyond satire. Writers, you know, like Ian McEwen here, they do, do you think that they have a tougher job of it?
2: I think they, they're very good at riffing on whatever the, whatever the prevailing you know, political environment is. You think about books like uh, 1984, actually written at a time when totalitarianism was you know, encroaching, creeping further into the democracies of the West. So I think to a certain extent, writers need that the extreme circumstances sometimes to be, able to, to be able to write powerfully and effectively.
0: Uh, the the difference for me is that 1984, you could read it 2019. You could have read it in 1949 mm. when it was written. It's still an incredible read. Yes. And it has human beings at its, uh, not cockroaches, at its source who you feel for. You know, um, Winston Smith and Julia, the two main characters, um, you know, we feel for them. And yes. mm. I, I, I cannot get over the end how gutted I felt in Room 101 when, when his humanity was taken from him by his fear of, of, of something for those that haven't read it. And it's <laughs> still as good a read today as it was when um, Orwell wrote it. But Orwell wrote political books one after the other whether they were true or whether they were novels they still were incredible stories I mean Animal Farm yes. you know this is nothing I mean to be honest no. I'm just saying don't waste your time for me <laughs> don't the, waste your there, time there are on no, reading yeah, it there
1: are no characters in it that you love there's there's no there's nobody that you, you know, <laughs> which book <one? laughs> um, sorry I'm on the cockroach not on um okay. um I was gonna say know, <laughs> yeah you 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 don't really care almost, but it is a satire. And, it, and then th- there's one part of it I do quite like because okay. I can sort of see this this happening if you relate it to, to what it's satirising, which is Brexit. So um, the, 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 the Prime Minister has gone for a meeting uh, in, in Germany with, with the Chancellor. Um, and I'm just going to read you a little bit because it was at, the, at this point, the Chancellor interrupted him with her elbow on the table. She pressed a hand to her forehead and closed her tired eyes. Varum, she said, which is the German word for why, um, and followed this word with a brief tangle of others, and again Varum, and a longer tangle, then the same again, and finally still with her eyes closed and her head sinking a little further towards the table, a simple plaintive Varum, and, and you can, I, I can see that happening, I can see a certain German Chancellor actually doing that, and, and he, he doesn't actually have an answer. His mind, Jim's mind went blank. Um, there was a silence in the room and someone should open a window. And they drifted through the PM's mind a number of compelling answers, though he did not utter them. Because, because that's what we're doing, because that's what we believe in, because that's what we said we do, because that's what people said they wanted. Because I've come to the rescue, because that ultimately was the only answer, because...
2: That's Brexit means Brexit.
3: <laughs> exactly. That, that, you know, that, that for me, I did like that bit. Now, I I picked up this book, much like you, with dread, because not only is the cover terrible, but I, I just I didn't want to read fiction about Brexit when I'd been reading so much about it in a non-fiction sense online. I just thought, OK, I really don't want to go through this, but let's try. And it surprised me. It was funnier than I expected it to be. But I don't think that it needed to be a novella would have been a great short
1: story in in a magazine um mm. you know a, a, almost a political opinion satire piece
0: but, and there's um, funny bits there are funny bits yeah. but there's yeah. nothing i cannot recommend this to anyone i'm sorry it's just you know ian McEwan is an incredible writer and this doesn't do him justice. So if you if you want to read Ian McEwan, read read one of his great novels. I, I mean,
3: novelists have been writing about their feelings on politics for you know for years, and we've already talked about that a little bit. But I, I think that if if it's there's a difference between just ranting about something and, and finding a narrative excuse to do that, and actually coming up with a really good story. And I don't think he's quite hit the mark here.
2: I think there'll be a lot of disappointed Kafka fans out there.
3: Yeah, yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree that this, you know,
0: leave him alone, please. Yeah. You know, he was he was a great, another great political writer, and, um, I, you know, this 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 is not Ian McEwan's forte,
3: in my view. So he should have left it alone. However, John le Carre... Right, let's move on to the John <laughs> le Carre agent running in the field now. Mm. So very briefly, Mark, would you mind introducing us to kind of the the, the, the synopsis, the gist of the book?
2: OK, so Nat is a um, half Russian, half Scottish, 100% John le Carre um, <laughs> spymaster. Right. He's been running agents in Eastern Europe for decades and he's returned to London in what's definitely a demotion. I mean, I think, you know, he's long in the tooth or a younger, slicker, glibber um, intelligence officers who've kind of taken over. And the unit he's been put in into is called The Haven, which sounds more like a retirement home than it does, you know, the HQ, you know, Spymaster HQ. And his former boss has been shipped off to Washington, D.C., which is... A kind of sign of how times have changed, because that's now seen as a bit of a, um, a, a bit of a sinecure. It's diminished importance. The important thing is that lacarry's once again, has just found so much richness in this new, changed, and charged political situation. You know the poisonous atmosphere. Um, you know post Brexit, he's he's you know he identifies the the Russians who've been you know extrajudicial killings in, in the UK that stretches into some of the other um, into some of the other intrigues that he's able to bring in because suddenly we've got a whole new class of traitor. We've got a whole new class of spy. You know the 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 greys are even more intense grey. You don't know who's who's on whose side, so it's actually a great back backdrop. The Carry makes no uh, bones about which side he's on. By the way, in the uh, in the uh, Brexit debate,
3: which he hasn't in interviews either.
2: No, absolutely. Um, and you know, he, he at one point he describes the UK as ruled by quote a minority Tor- Tory cabinet of tenth raters. And the country's new Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, at that point is merely, quotes, a pig, ignorant foreign secretary who I'm supposed to be serving. So, so he, he
3: doesn't mince his words at all. <laughs> In, at it, all. And it's, it's through the eyes of this, this character. Um, is that Nat speaking Nat. there? Okay. yeah. yeah. But and then is... you've got
0: Ed. I just, I mean, um, John Le Carre is a master storyteller. He's 88, I believe. Yeah. And yet this book is an incredibly enjoyable read. Forget about Brexit. This this is a fantastic book. Yeah, it's a good book. Um, and the characters he creates, um, Nat is absolutely believable, his wife Prue, and the beginning of uh, his relationship with Ed, who he meets at um, the Badminton Club, when this, this rather strange... Um, a person wants to, challenges him to play a game of badminton. And we sort of get to know Ed through that. And Ed is incredibly likeable um, and has that sort of passion and, you know, genuine desire to do what's right for his country. I
3: didn't find him likeable at all. Oh, I
0: (laughs) I really like. What about you?
2: Um, I Well, I think Le Carre creates these kind of distaff characters. He he needs an oddball. In order to make his plots work, and and Ed's the oddball in this one. I thought what was quite interesting was the badminton metaphor, because the plot itself kind of pinged backwards and forwards between you're never quite sure who was you know who was who was meant to be the active mm. character at any one point, and it's if you like badminton, you know, and if you know, and if you uh, like spies. Um, and if you don't like Farage, this is definitely a book for you. I think, you know, it's got that, all of the classic ingredients of a mm. Le Carre um, story. And Ed is the one who takes us into that world rather unwittingly. Yes. Um, and, and and so I think we follow him in there. I think the relationships between the individuals are difficult. I think, if I'm honest, Le Carre is showing... His um, his distance, perhaps, from yo- the younger generation mm. a little bit. Um, there's something a little bit creepy in his relationship with with um, one of his assistants, mm. um, and that doesn't necessarily read well. I think at the moment. Mm. Um, but uh, it's it's real. It's real. It yeah, does, yeah. I mean, yes, yeah. it's yeah. not
0: politically correct, but it's no. real. And his daughter. Um uh and um the sort of um you know, the the, the exasperation she causes both him and Prue. I yeah. mean I just really enjoyed it. The only criticism I'll have of it, uh, and it shouldn't stop you reading it, is that I felt the ending was not up it to the carry. No sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. It felt like it had been dashed off. Well, yeah. it was
0: just he—he couldn't—he'd he'd given this enough. He was fed up with the whole subject, <laughs> and probably by that time, he just thought, you know, I really don't want to even live to see Brexit. So, so <laughs> I haven't
1: quite finished it yet. So should I continue
0: to the end? Yes. yes. Okay. Oh, it's yes. a really, really good read. Just did you—you you love these kind of thrillers and crime? I do. Event. What and, did you and think I'd,
1: about it? I'd forgotten it's been a long time since I read any Le Carre, and I'd forgotten how well he writes. I'd forgotten how slow-paced his writing is actually, it, and that's why I haven't finished it because it's not one way you. Can just like oh yeah, i will just skip and, um, you really? have Really? Yeah. Oh, you have to read it all. Oh, Annabelle's <laughs> Annabelle's sternly looking at me here. She, I've obviously said something she disagrees with.
3: Yeah, uh, uh, there are a couple of things I think might have to come come back to it in in a few minutes to carry oh, on.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah. So I I enjoyed the slow pace, if you like, of of, of, of the story. I enjoyed how it progressed, and I enjoyed reading every sentence and, and every word in case I missed something. Um, so, yeah, I, I will continue to the end and see if I'm also uh, and he, surprised.
0: And he, you know, Nat is basically going to be put as a scapegoat for various things. And it's Operation Rosebud, you know, <laughs> that, that he's involved in. And because he's, he's been a hands-on operative, you know, in all sorts of places, he then picks up, and I love that because we don't really know, you might not have got to that bit, But you you don't really know even what he's picked up. But he's clever enough to have seen that something has been planned and no Mm. one knows it except him by sort of, you know, his innate, um, I suppose... um, Uh, ability to just pick up very very small things so I I loved his writing it was well worth reading it I didn't even really feel it was too much Brexit to be honest thank God the murder mystery we're talking about at the moment or the thriller is John Le Carre agent running in the field and it's meant to be uh, a comment on Brexit and I think it is in many ways it's a comment on politicians and for me and I think you were in agreement um When we were off air, Yvette, you may change your mind now, Um, (laughs) is Ed, who is the he he is the one that has absolute belief in uh, helping the world, putting it back on track. And he's so not a politician. And that's what I really loved about him was that dedicated, you know, focused um, vision he has.
2: Yes, I, I think he has a he does have a belief in some sort of European ideal. Uh, he learned German, we've, we find out. He spent a couple of years there. He's, there is something about European culture which to him is more important perhaps than, than the, the, you know, the, the world he finds himself in post-Brexit. And that gives fire to his soul. And I think that's what makes – that's the attractive side of his character. That's, that, that's what gives him his entire motivation. And and so, but, you know, as we we're saying, you need this kind of holy fool, you need this slightly innocent character to, to drive things forward, because this world of spies is very knowing. And... One of the great things about Le Carre looking back now is when he actually does travel at one moment, I think to uh, uh, Karlovy in, in, uh, in the Czech Republic and revisit some of the dashes of, uh, of the former communist bosses. And it's lovely to actually go back with him and, and share the, his you know, reminiscences of this, this disappeared Europe, albeit a much greyer Europe. Yeah. You know, and I think Le Carre is very good at those kind of observations.
3: Exactly. That so I do have some issues with the book, but I'll start with that those are some of the moments that I enjoyed the most. Just his, his- Capability or or sorry, capacity for observation, particularly with characters. And in Carlo Vivari, there's this wonderful moment after he's gone through, you know, typical espionage stuff. People have searched him. There's a lot of tension. You don't really know what's going to happen. And then it returns to the mundane bureaucracy of life in the service. And that's what I really love, that contrast. He says, London General has reimbursed my travel expenses, but questioned my use of a taxi to the Lakeside Hotel in Carlo Vivari. It seems there was a bus I could have taken. (laughs) (laughs) And just moments like that in between all of this tension are just like a breath of relief as a reader. And and he's so good at doing that. And I loved his character observations. My favorite was the manipulative, smarmy Dom Trench. Oh, yes. Oof. so a few lines early in the book there's this this wonderful um, paragraph about Dom Trench he's basically Nat's the protagonist boss and, and he's clearly been promoted to the position because he's manipulated and he's smarmed his way there and he's described as having an infuriating habit of placing his fingertips together in a wedding arch <laughs> leaning back and smiling <laughs> judiciously at you over the top of them already you hate him <laughs> and in the same paragraph the protagonist muses it's my guess that there's a Dom somewhere in everyone's life. The man, it always seems to be a man, who takes you aside, appoints you his only friend in the world, regales you with details of his private life you'd rather not hear, begs your advice, you give him none, he swears to follow it, and next morning cuts you dead. And... And, and when he's pretending to be busy to avoid confrontation as well, he has the paper strewn across his desk to prove it, which only tells me that he's been expecting me all morning. Dom doesn't do confrontation, which is something we both know. His life is a sideways advance between things he can't face. And that's what I really loved about this book. Those really sharp asides. Um and very good, very good
0: drawing of characters yeah. and, and, and sort of believable that there are people like that. Everyone does have a dom in their life. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think I think you really you really enjoyed that part of the book.
2: I caught myself steepling my fingers the other day <laughs> and stopped because yeah. of that.
3: Yeah, thank the, you the, the, on behalf uh, of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On behalf yeah. of everyone, thank you. <laughs> yes. The, the, the Brexit side of this book, because that's kind of the connecting, um, that is the connecting theme of the books that we're talking about today, I wanted more of how that affected things in a broader view in terms of the intelligence services. I like the fact that he used Brexit as a backdrop and seeing that involve and how how it would complicate things. Um, and because it's not something I'd ever really considered before, how it would affect all of these different nations working together and intelligence services. I think what I didn't like about it was it focused too much on things that we've already heard people in fiction say about things so the the Brexit rants we've already heard that's not what I would turn to fiction for I think when I'm turning to fiction for clarity on a subject like this or I want something new so I think when he was talking more about how it affected things more, you know, more broadly and bureaucratically, that was more interesting to me.
2: Yeah, I, I think there will be perhaps a new genre of European spy fiction because what, what he does is describe this, this vacuum left by the American security services effectively mm. in, in Europe. So one imagines that there will be lots of new arrangements, um, temporary or permanent, that are currently securing the borders, and and uh, somebody will be writing about that. I'm not sure who that novelist is yet, but it'll be a new type of spy novel.
3: So, do you do you think? Um, so, Mark, Yvette, Isabel, do you think that fiction can help make sense of a situation like Brexit in a way that non-fiction doesn't? Is it can it be a balm? Can it can it help?
1: I'm not sure that anything can make sense of Brexit. To be honest,
3: I just I just want to be able to walk <laughs> through the
1: little village in France where I live without people pointing and laughing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Is, I don't know. It it can maybe help to focus the mind a little bit on it. Yeah. Um. I I wouldn't say that either of these have helped. I've, certainly, I've enjoyed reading it, but helped? No.
2: I I I think. Maybe not these two books, mm-hmm. but I think there are other books where the, the natural empathy you have to have for characters within a novel allow you to see the other side a little bit. And what's not happening in Brexit, because it's about identity rather than politics, is that as soon as the identity you know, shutters come down, people don't listen to each other. Mm-hmm. And the novel has the ability to reach in and actually make you listen a bit and, and to, to see the other side. In fact, I was just mentioning Jonathan Coe's book, Middle England, because there, you, you know, the main character's father, who, you know, was a chop steward at Longbridge. You know, f- f- the decline of the car industry was a decline of his, his you know, personality and his career. He's, of course, he's, he's Brexit. He's pro-Brexit. His son isn't. But you see... The you see the genuine love that the son has for the father, and that helps you understand a little bit more about the motivations for you know for the father's distress and 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 anger um, that that caused his his vote for Brexit.
3: And that's not something that you see in in either of the books that we're talking about today. No. I don't think yeah, no. that no. that level of kind of of empathy and yeah, understanding. Exactly.
0: Hmm. And I think um, for for Le Carre the Ed character is. Um, very much about history repeating itself and it's a warning it's a warning to the reader look you know the last time this kind of thing happened we had a world war Mm. and I think that for me is the message I've taken away from it is that we're in a very dangerous place the world is in a very dangerous place and you get cycles like that and it's it's wherever you look I'm distressed, and I'm sure most people are. There, there is unrest, there are wars, there are, you know, riots um, everywhere. You know, where they're having elections, it is certainly not peaceable. And um, I think we live in very difficult times across the globe. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at dubai Eye 1038com